step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Way. Okay, we're delayed. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello there. Hello, Cliff. Thank you Hi. for your note. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're, we've already started. The, the music has started. The uh, sponsors have started. Don's waiting, so whenever you're ready, you can go ahead and start. I'm ready. Okay, go ahead. Don's here. Hello, Don. How are you this evening? Hello, Dr. Brenda. And I'm excited to introduce you to our Modern Love listeners tonight as we talk about love outside the box, everybody. I'm going to tell you more about that topic and our special guest tonight. But let me ask you a question. I'm wondering if you're interested in creating a relationship that goes beyond what we consider the norm in some way, whether it's gender, number, expression, or style. Yeah, things have become more interesting when it comes to relationships. And we're going to talk about love outside the box with relationship expert Dawn Davidson, who provides counseling information on establishing boundaries as well as suggestions on how to deal with jealousy and so much more because tonight we're going to talk about polyamory and the lessons everyone can learn from this unique and we might say sometimes misunderstood type of relationship. So get your questions ready. You can send them to us via Twitter, Facebook at Dr. Brenda Wade or hit us back at 347-989-0776. And let's talk about polyamory. Welcome to the show, Don Davidson. Hello, Dr. Brenda. So research says as many as many as five percent of Americans are currently in relationships involving consensual non-monogamy. That is, they have permission to go outside of the primary couple to look for love or sex. Now, what is polyamory, and why are we looking at 5% of Americans participating in polyamory? Well, polyamory at its core is uh, it's a 
created word made up of poly and amory. That means many loves. And what that means in practice is the uh, relationship style uh, where you have more than one open and honest adult romantic style relationship at the same time with the full permission and okay and knowledge of everyone involved. Okay, so you used some key words there. You said open and honest. Open and honest, yes. So tell us more about how you got interested in polyamory and why that's a specialty of yours because there are a lot of people, I know you. I know our modern love listeners going, well, maybe that's for me, and some rolling their eyes. Yeah, sure. Um, well, me personally, I have always had some leanings towards multiple relationships. I remember starting to question as early as high school why I needed to break up with one person if I wanted, if I was also in love with a second person. It just didn't really make sense to me, although I was raised, as is the case for many people, in a fairly conservative Christian household where that you know, wasn't really looked upon favorably. So it was some years before I found my way to the polyamorous lifestyle. And on the way there, you know, I tried a couple of things like cheating and found I just didn't like that. I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how I was relating to my partners. It didn't seem respectful. And so when I found out that there was something, it wasn't even called polyamory yet, but there was this lifestyle where I could be open and honest about my romantic uh, desires and my desires to relate to more than one person at a time, I was really excited to hear about that. And I instantly started finding out whatever I could about that. So in the old days, this was called an open relationship or an open marriage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, I remember um, some years ago when the book Open Marriage uh, came out, a lot of people we're going, wow, that's the answer to, you know, having a more interesting romantic life. And the couple that wrote the book together ended up divorced. So a lot mm-hmm. of people went, well, well, wait a minute here. What's that all about? So talk about the different ways that polyamory, in your experience, actually works out for people. And maybe even more importantly, let's start with this question. Why polyamory? Why? Why polyamory? Well, first I'd like to back up and, and uh, address something that you mentioned there um, because I think it's a key point. And that is that you said many people are going to be saying, hey, you know, these people who wrote the book on it, they ended up divorced. So obviously it doesn't work. And my question to you on that is, so when a monogamous couple gets married and then divorced, do we say that monogamy obviously doesn't work? We don't necessarily say it, but we do, at least people like me, because this is what I spend you know, all my, my days and nights thinking about is how to help people have satisfying, uh, right. really deep, passionate connections. 
typically what we say is, gee, they came to that relationship without adequate preparation, information, and certainly perhaps with expectations that were yeah. not matching. So what so, I would say is I'm, I'm drawing your attention to that because the assumption is that it must be the relationship style that is at issue, and it's not. Rela- the relationship style is immaterial to the particular relationship is what I'm trying to say here. So you can have a polyamorous relationship that lasts for a really long time, or you can have a monogamous relationship that lasts for a really long time. But lasting for a really long time is not the only way of measuring the success of a relationship. It's not the only way, that's for sure. But certainly in our world today, everybody is looking for what we call lasting love or true love. And there, you know, obviously some things that are very important about having that, because from where I sit, a relationship is an important way to get to know yourself and to grow as a person. It's it's a Absolutely. bit of a, a powerful facilitator. So describe polyamory so people understand more about it, because I feel like we're still a little on the surface. What is polyamory? You know, yeah, what, so, how does it so work? One of the things is that, um, again, earlier already you uh, highlighted, for me anyway, an assumption that polyamory is the equivalent of an open marriage where you have a uh, couple that decides to open up and have a relationship, uh, sexual or romantic, outside of their couple relationship. And that is one common way of having an open relationship, an open marriage, or polyamory. But it is, um, uh, you know, it's not the only way by any means. Um, what polyamory talks about is the, the love. It's about opening your heart to the love that is available and not trying to force your relationships into particular boxes. So what that means is that you're able to explore a relationship. Let's say you're in a committed partnership and uh, there's someone else that you love deeply that um, maybe they've come back into your life and you realize, oh, this person's really important to me. And what polyamory allows you to do is to not necessarily put a stop in that relationship where uh, you know, most uh, monogamous assumptions put that stop. It allows you to flow the relationship from a friendship into a sexual relationship and possibly back again. I, for instance, have uh, a partnership uh, with someone that I've known since, um, well, let's just say that uh, we were both about 20 when we met, and that relationship has outlasted both of our marriages. Okay, and what you're saying is that that's a partnership that's outlasted the marriages. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to, over time, go from dating to friendship to lover to uh, 
friendship to not seeing one another to lover to friendship but throughout that time we've maintained this connection with each other and for me it's a very significant relationship our children grew up with one another you know we have pictures of our kids uh, doing sleepovers when we were able to get together at various times I was present for him I flew up to be with him right after his mom died uh, there's been a lot of significant things that we've shared over time and uh, so that has allowed us to be able to maintain that connection and let the relationship find the appropriate level for that relationship. So what was it like for you? You said that this was a partnership you maintained while you were married and mm-hmm. uh, your your partner was married. What was it like for the spouses to know that there was this outside relationship? So uh, when I got married, uh, my my husband and I, at that time, we closed our relationship. Uh, although this partner of mine um, was in fact present at our wedding, so and it was known there was no uh, no secret, no surprise there. Uh, so the, we didn't actually have a lot of contact for, I want to say, six years for various reasons at that time. And then one day he literally came sailing back into my life on a tall ship, and, um, uh, and we resumed our relationship. And we did so at that time with the full permission of my husband uh, my other partner was not uh, not yet married at that point. Now, I will say that it was a difficult transition for my husband because up until that point, he had been the only one to have outside relationships. So he felt that it was only fair that I could have another relationship, but it was a challenging transition for him. And that was the point at which we started uh, looking for support from the community and resources. We found a lot of really useful books, things like um, uh, The Five Love Languages. One of my favorite tools ever uh, was brought to us by my partner in Seattle. And, uh, you know, at the time there wasn't much written about polyamory. It was it was fairly recently named, but there had started to be things like discussion groups. And so we started hosting events and we started getting communication from people who'd been through some of this stuff, who started talking and eventually started teaching about it. So it was a long, it was a long process. So in the beginning, you didn't find there was a lot of support or people who were talking openly about polyamory. Now, how did you and your husband evolve your marriage so that there was room for both of you to have outside partners? Because, of course, one of the questions I'm sure people are considering is, yeah, well, how would that feel for the other partner? Right. So I have to say that in this regard, we're um, not necessarily the most typical couple. Uh, My husband and I 
began our relationship in a non-monogamous format. Like I said, we actually closed it. So we had started, uh, we had a triad uh, with a woman who remains my best friend uh, at this point, even though um, both she and I have subsequently moved on to uh, other partnerships. Uh, the the one that that uh, stayed there was the the girlfriend relationship, um, the metamor. Um, so, you know, for us, there was always this idea that sharing love with more than one person was something that we wanted to figure out how to do. Now, that said, the evolution of getting there was, uh, I mentioned that we'd closed the relationship and I had said that at the time because I said, hey, you know, I wanted to help us figure out who we are as a couple. We don't know who that is yet. And uh, I still think that was a good idea, except that what happened was then he had an affair. And so we had to clean up from the affair. We went to therapy. We had to find a therapist who was open to the concept, and then we educated that therapist. Uh, because there just wasn't much out there. Now, when you say he had an affair, what you're saying is that he had an outside relationship where you hadn't given permission for that. That's right, because our relationship was closed. We Mm -hmm. had a monogamous relationship at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it was a a nine-month affair where he literally lied to me. So did she. She was actually a friend of mine. It was, um, you know, it was a full-on, everybody would recognize this as an affair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really uncomfortable. Didn't, I didn't like that one bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, being lied to is never going to be fun, that's for nope. sure. So, <laughs> you know, the fact that you got through the affair and what it evolved into, it sounds like, is that you were saying, hey, you know what? Uh, we need to heal from the betrayal, the lying, the cheating, et cetera, mm-hmm. and find another way to relate. Is that how that went? That was one of the pieces, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. when I when we approached our therapist at the time, the first thing that we both said was, you know, it's not, it wasn't about the sex. The sex is not the problem. It was the lying that was the problem. Yeah, betrayal is its own special wound. So we have our first question. So mm-hmm. let me uh, fire this at you if you don't mind. So this person wants to know, ah, well, it's kind of along the lines we're speaking about. Okay, this is from Ross, and Ross wants to know, what's the difference between polyamory and cheating? Okay. So polyamory is open and honest multiple relationships with the full knowledge and consent of everyone involved. Cheating is when you have an agreement and you break it. Usually people think of that as being they have a monogamous agreement. They agree to not have sex outside the relationship and that someone has another relationship outside of the the primary couple, and they go behind their partner's back and they lie about it. That's cheating. Okay. 
Great. Thanks for your question, Ross. We appreciate that. So let's go a different direction now. For those couples with polyamorous relationships, is there any data on how those relationships fare over time? Are those couples able to keep those marriages or keep those relationships over time? Well, because you again, mentioned that you and and the partner you're still with have both been divorced. You know, I'm just curious is is because I don't know any statistics, do you? Right. There are not a lot of statistics out there. Uh what statistics are available right now, you can find in uh the work of the wonderful researcher Dr. Elizabeth Sheff. Uh, uh that's S H E F F. And uh, she wrote a book called The Polyamorists Next Door. It's one of the books that she has. And uh, she's got some data on it. And what little there is says that polyamorous relationships are pretty much similar to other forms of relationship. They have no better or worse outcomes. They have you know they're they're just as good or bad for the children depending on who's in the relationship there's really not a a lot of distinction and the key is that you have to understand that people who are in polyamorous relationships are not necessarily using the same standards of success they're not necessarily looking for one single relationship to fulfill all of their needs forever. Yes. Yeah, we have another question here. Uh, How, okay, let me just read this clearly. How do you build trust in a polyamorous relationship? And that's from Tina in San Francisco. Thank you, Tina. Well, thank you, Tina. So that actually touches on one of the pieces of work that I specifically do. I have a book that I've written uh, that's available as a PDF online, and it's, Uh, called Kissable Agreements and Other Secrets to Negotiating in Polyamorous Partnerships. And one of the ways that you can build trust is to create agreements and keep them. You know, you build trust the same way you build trust with everything else. You try things out. You see if they work. You adjust if they don't. And you are honest about who you are, what you're doing, you communicate appropriately, and don't lie and don't cheat. So it's about having agreements that are clear up front, and then you work to update the agreement and stay with it. Now, how is jealousy handled? Because there's sounds to me as if there's plenty of room for someone to feel threatened or jealous. Oh, totally. Lots of room for jealousy. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I couldn't possibly do this because I'd be too jealous. Well, what we like to say in the polyamorous community often is that jealousy is a really great teacher. It's a great marker. Jealousy is, you know, a combination of emotions, uh, usually involving some form of envy and fear. Uh, Sometimes there are other things in there as well. But uh, so how you deal with that is you learn to recognize your own emotions. You learn to uh, not be overwhelmed by them. 
you learn to listen to know whether something needs to change, whether it's in you or you need to make a request of someone else, and uh, look at, so why is this coming up right now? What can I learn from it? What do I need to alter? Um, so, you know, it's it's not about not being jealous. A lot of people think that you have to not be jealous to be polyamorous, and that's not my experience. My experience is that poly people, open people are often jealous. They just learn techniques to deal with it. So one technique would be to talk about it and how does the jealousy impact the relationship? Because if you're feeling, as you said, frightened or envious, mm-hmm. and then there's there's another question that comes right on the heels of that for me, which is how do you find time to have outside relationships if you're raising a family and you're working and doing all the things most modern people are doing? That seems right. to me just like, hey, that is a lot of time and energy. Well, it it can be a lot of time, but, you know, one of the things I will say is that a, a lot of people that I know who are in polyamorous relationships, for one thing, they tend to be the kind of people who this is what's really important to them. So they want to have conscious relationships anyway. So they're going to be putting in the time to talk about it, to look at their feelings, to use it as a personal growth platform. Um, and, uh, frankly, a lot of them don't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> um, so, you know, and the other thing is that finding the time, if you have a polyamorous relationship that's working well, then you have more people to share various aspects of the work. Let's say, for instance, that you've got um, a fairly common arrangement uh you know most people when they think of this they think of a a live-in triad it's by no means the only relationship style out there but it is you know moderately common and if you've got that let's say you've got you know three three people and a couple of kids living in a house together so now instead of having three you know two parents or one parent and a couple of kids, now you have three parents. So you have more people to share the work of, you know, driving around to the... uh, So you're saying that this isn't just about polyamory for the adults. The children are now having additional parents. So how does that affect the children? Well, again, I'm going to refer you back to Dr. Sheff. She's got the best data on that kind of stuff. And the answer is that... Uh, children that have been raised in polyamorous households uh, generally have no better or worse outcomes, specifically no worse outcomes <laughs> than children uh, who were raised in monogamous households. And let's remember that this is actually really, really common in our society right now. It's just that we're not used to having all of them living together. We have a lot a lot of multi-parent households going on now. They're just spread out because it's the couple who got married, then they got divorced, then they each got remarried. So now the kid has how many parents? 
So yeah, I'm not sure it's about how many parents. We're actually talking about something quite different. We're saying that there are multiple parents living together, which is a completely different experience for a child than saying, I have a parent that remarried and I now have a step-parent. You know, I don't think that's necessarily true. Mm, I'm going to disagree at, with you on that. I've let's certainly look at with, historically with when it's we a had... Different, it's a different motif me, for the child. You, you asked me a question. So let's look at historically when parent, when kids were raised in households where, for instance, they had their aunt or uncle living with them. And that happens even now a lot of times. The kid really doesn't get impacted by the sexual relationship or not between the parents. They don't need to know. I mean, it's not like we're hiding it from them. But, you know, it, it's not like most monogamous people go and say, hey, I'm going to go have sex with your dad now. I mean, that's not what goes on. Excuse me, are you there? Yes, you are absolutely our guest, and I respect your point of view. I do have a different point of view, and I need to say that, so that okay. anyone who's listening who is saying, gee, children aren't impacted, you know, when I it comes to the developmental process in a child's brain, children have a very difficult time processing things where there isn't a format that's being talked about amongst most of their friends. They do need additional help and support talking these things through. They do need additional ways of understanding, you know, whether it's storytelling and using animals for younger children so that they have a way to hold and understand. So I would say, speaking, you know, as a developmental expert, I have to say this, if you have children involved in any change in relationship status, whether it's divorce, polyamory, whatever it is, please be careful. A child's brain is not the same as an adult brain, and children need help and support working through anything that might cause them anxiety or cause them to feel different from other children. We've got to be careful with children. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the fact that there are books coming out now that address, uh, you know, raising children in uh, multiple households, in multiple adult uh, situations. There is actually a a little bit of stuff out there now. And, uh, you know, I'd like to, again, bring this point to you that you seem to be assuming that the polyamorous relationship is an unstable relationship. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm saying that any time children are involved in something where they may have feelings, because children do, they live in their own world, and it's so different from an adult world where we can do abstract thinking and deductive reasoning, they just can't do it. So we have to support them and help them, whether it's any kind of relationship status that could cause anxiety for a child, we just have to get ahead of them and help okay. them. And so assume let me... that children need special care that adults don't need because their brains just aren't finished. 
Right. So what you're saying then is we should make sure to support children when they're in a situation where they might feel not the same as other kids. Exactly. Since if their parents are gay and lesbian. Exactly. Okay. So I or will parents are divorcing or parents are having problems. We know right. that these markers create what we call ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and I they can come that. from just about anything because children are so vulnerable to anxiety. Yeah. I don't want to go into a big discussion about kids. I just wanted to make that point. And that my we do point have to be is that it is not them. different between it is not different with polyamorous relationships and other kinds of relationships because these sorts of adverse events happen anyway. You know, adults in their life will die. Relationships, they will have to move across country because their dad gets a, a job someplace else. These sorts of events happen, and they're not specific to a polyamorous or open relationship. It's just one of the many things around which we would need to support children. That's my point exactly. Okay, great. Then we're agreed. I'm so glad. Okay, now you get the last word, Dawn. If you were to advise people, uh, I recently had a couple come to one of my seminars where one of them was interested in polyamory and one was saying, absolutely, I'm not interested. If that's a direction you want to go, I'm leaving and mm-hmm. I'm taking the children with me. So what kind of advice would you give a couple that's at a crossroads like that? Well, I would start with get support, um, find out more, um, figure out for each partner whether the the polyamorous relationship is the most important thing to them or whether uh, they're going to need to focus in another way uh, because that's a very difficult situation. It's not that it never works. I will say, you know, I do know people who've been in very long-term multiple relationships, like, you know, 20 years kind of thing, uh, where one partner was poly and the other was monogamous. It can work out, but it's definitely challenging. So that would be one of those places where you'd want to go read some websites, join some discussion groups, maybe you know call call up somebody like me who does counseling. I offer a free session where we can talk about it and try to figure out whether this is really going to be the right kind of relationship style going forward. And uh, if so, work out what sorts of agreements, what style this is going to be done under, and you know how can we make this be a positive experience for everyone. And yes, that does include you know, the children. We don't want to say, oh, yeah, sure, let's just follow our hearts and leave the vulnerable children behind, because that's definitely not the idea. Most people in polyamorous relationships that I know of are in poly in particular, as opposed to, say, swinging or, um, you know, cheating, Um, (laughs) because they're definitely not. But uh, they're in poly in particular because they are about family and relationships. It's polyamory. It's multiple loves. It's not multiple sex 
although that often gets confused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, so your advice to them is get support, make sure the children get support, and mm-hmm. work on figuring out who needs what and how that can work for this couple. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, anything and- else that you want to leave us with about understanding polyamory? Because at the end of the day, what we're working toward is understanding, answering questions, getting information, because sexuality is a pretty broad spectrum mm-hmm. of experiences. And from where we sit with modern love, Everybody has the right to choose what is right for them and to be free from any kind of discrimination or feeling in any way marginalized because of their choices. There are a lot of things to consider. You know, we had the the conversation about considering the needs of children involved. But what else would you say that we need to know or understand about polyamory? So... Um there are a lot of assumptions about polyamory, and I would say one of the most important things is to realize that polyamorous people are not spending their lives trying to figure out how to ruin your monogamous relationships. <laughs> they really are not. Uh, they're just trying to figure out how to have the relationships that they want to have with the people that they want to be, be with. And one of the ways that I say it is that no matter who or how many you love, the love is always okay. Okay, so it's about no matter who or how many, love is the important thing, and love is okay. Right. And now this, of course, leaves one last question. I've got to squeeze this in really quickly. <laughs> how do you avoid hurting someone if, for example, you fall in love with somebody else's partner and they're not well, in polyamory. That's definitely a door conversation that's uh, much longer than I think we have the time for. Yes, absolutely. But, but the, the short answer is you can't avoid hurting people. Uh, you know, you, all you can do is do your best to honor both your needs and their needs. I'd say, you know, keep the focus on the universal human needs. Focus on what it is that you actually need, not from them, but just for you all the time. And likewise, focus on what they need, not specifically from you, but what they need to be happy and healthy and fulfilled. And then look at, can we make those needs, can we find a win-win? Because I'm all about finding the win-win-win. You know, I want to find a situation in which we can create agreements or create uh, a way to support everyone in getting what they actually need. All right, everyone, it's about being supported getting what you need, our guests this evening very courageously speaking out about Love Outside the Box, Dawn Davidson, and you can get her website, get, take this down, it's www.loveoutsidethebox.com. All right, everyone, stay tuned. Be with us next week. We have another great and interesting guest for you. 
And here we go, modern love listeners. Many blessings. Good night. Oh, and thank you to our Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.